Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom podcast. Um, we're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, we like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, so this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Gavin and I pastor here at Axiom and I think I've met most of you guys and uh, I think I want to say this that um, we, we gather and worship with the desire of experiencing Jesus. We say that a lot, but sometimes the familiarity um, can affect that. Um, the, the invitation and the, the command that's before you is to meet with Jesus and to experience him. That if, if we were to fall short of that, uh, we would be missing out. And there's a lot of good reasons to get together and hang out that don't involve experiencing Jesus. But what I want to say is that I think we can experience Jesus in everything that we do here. And uh, as we grow in our awareness of Christ, uh, whether it's just uh, between the car and here listening to the birds uh, or grabbing a cup of coffee or fellowshipping, that Jesus gets to meet us in each of these spaces. And in this moment, uh, through the reading of his word. So that's the, I just want to sort of calibrate us in that direction to be thinking in that way. So we're in Lent. Uh, when you pray is the title of the series that we've been talking about. And this is following the assumption that you pray, <laughs> um, which is the assumption that Jesus had. And we've said that a few times that in Matthew chapter six, both in verse six and 16, he makes reference, but when you pray and when you fast, by the way, so it's, it's both, both are taking place. Both Jesus assumes is a part of uh, what are regular practices as human beings. And so um, I want to insert into this, uh, when do you pray? When do you pray? And I'm just curious, just shout it out if you'd like. Uh, feel free to be real confident. Like, when do you pray? All the time. All right, we got a couple of real followers of Jesus here. That's great. Good job. Driving. Driving. In desperation. In, desperation. In the morning. In the morning. In the evening. All right, no more answers, please. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to hold it there. Or maybe you don't hold it there. <laughs> Prayer is the native language of our soul. It's primal. It's primal. We tend to think that prayer is a practice... And it certainly can be, but before it's a practice, prayer is primal. Now, it might not feel natural or intuitive for you all the time, but prayer is the space we were created to live in. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Pastor Eric referenced this idea that when you're hanging on the cliff edge on the side of the mountain, intuitively you pray. 
There's something about that. It doesn't matter where you come from, how deep in you are, or whether you're even religious or not. There are intuitive spaces that you pray. And there's something so true about that, so real about that, the cliff edge of life, that God's there. He's just real in those spaces and moments, if we're honest about it. We see him clear as day, and we speak to him as audibly as we speak to one another in those moments, and when we stub our toe. We use his name, don't we? Because prayer is primal. And that alone should justify the discipline, by the way. Just the recognition that prayer is at the primordial level, historically, and of course, in the interior. And the scriptures testify to this as well, this state of being. Our first parents walked with God in the garden, naked, unashamed. Nothing was more primal than to converse with God. Nothing more natural than the regularity of extraordinary presence of God. Life was prayer. Prayer is life, full stop. That's the created way. Prayer is not a practice. Only. Prayer is being. But today it seems that God is hidden sometimes. We don't feel as naked and unashamed as we once felt. Prayer even for some of us feels unnatural. Except for in those fight or flight moments perhaps. We're living in anything but a garden and with everything but God. Or so at times it would seem. So when do you pray? Well, you pray when you have to. You pray when there's nothing left to hold on to. But what if I said for a minute that the opposite was true also? That in the same way that we intuitively pray in moments of panic and terror, that we pray when the opposite is true also. Not just when we've got one thing left to hold on to, but when we actually learn to let go. When we're not overcome by fear and panic, but we're totally in the present at peace and in awe. Now, that might not feel as easy to grasp because very few people ever allow themselves to go there, to be truly at peace and in a place of presence. But we get moments of it. One of the longest prayers I ever prayed in my life lasted only a few seconds. It was the moment my son Emerson, my firstborn, came into this world. I'd never seen something so beautiful And for just a few seconds of my life, me and God shared communion in a way that it was so long, I still feel it. I'm right there with him, Jesus, and my little boy. And that was 11 years ago. And that prayer was five seconds long. 
And then my son interrupted it with his crying. <laughs> God was not hidden at all in that moment. He's always been hard for me to find, but all of a sudden, there he was. It, without any challenge, there was no obstacle. There was also no cliff edge. And just as easy as anything, there God was. Primal. Prayer is primal. It's just that so few of us learn to live as we were created to. See, between the valleys of being afraid and suffering and the mountaintops of peace and presence is where most of us live. And in that space, we struggle to pray. We, so when do we pray? Well, we pray at the bottom of the hill and we pray at the top. But not always in the in-between. This is why I think that nature... Uh, and the outdoors, silence, stillness, it, the, the, the veil becomes thinner in these spaces. Psalm 42, 6 through 7, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan right from the bottom of the hill to the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Deep calls to deep. Capital spirit S calls to lowercase spirit. You and God were made for each other. That's why Paul can say for, in Romans, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. There's this place that God's given us where we can go to be with him, to learn how to be with him. That as we look at even creation, we learn the, what the true pattern of our life should look like. We learn from the trees that they don't question who they are. They're just trees. We learn from the birds that they know that the food's always going to come. We, God's places amongst us. And yet, for some reason, we're afraid of silence. We're afraid of stillness. We're afraid to allow ourselves to rest. I wonder why. What's so scary about prayer? What's so scary about living? 
prayer is life. Life is prayer. In the stillness and in the quiet spaces, I mean, it's in the quiet that we hear God. And it's in the stillness that we see his movement. I think that there's something scary about God for us. I think there's something scary about the intimacy that God desires to have with you. I think there's a part of us that's afraid to allow ourselves to be fully loved and allow ourselves to fully love God. So we just keep living between the valley and the top of the hill. We need that quiet. When, when, when Jesus' disciples said, hey, can you teach us how to pray? Of course, he gives the Lord's Prayer, right? But he, he also says uh, in verse 6, which is where this comes from, in Matthew chapter 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, there's so much we can say about this text, and, and you go back to week one, we, we said quite a bit, but, but at, at, at the fulcrum of this function of prayer is a, is a quiet sanctuary. It's a, it's a place of, of stillness and silence. It's not in the hustle and bustle, and yet it could be in those spaces. Have you met a quiet person, and when I say that, I don't mean just verbally. Have you met a quiet person in the midst of the busy before? Have you met somebody that is really at peace when everything else seems like it's really crazy? That's a person living out of this room we call prayer. Something about that place. And I say this because I know how much you guys and myself deeply do struggle to connect with God. We find ourselves saying, where the hell are you? Where are you, God? If we desire to meet with God... I want to challenge us that we have to make an effort to meet God on his terms. And I say that because I believe that most of us, not all of us, but often, we want to meet God when we want to meet God. And I know the analogy is tired, but we treat them a bit like a vending machine, don't we? Put the quarter in, push the button. Hopefully something comes out. That's not meeting God on his terms. That's not meeting God in the primal space. That's meeting God between the two spaces. That's meeting God in the, 
I need this to happen. That's meeting God in the tyranny of busy and urgent. and That's meeting God in the space of anxiousness. That's not meeting God in the naked and the primal. It's hard. Uh, in that space in between, let's just be real about this, um, it's hard to even meet with you or for you to meet with you. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever like sat and had a conversation with somebody only to realize you're still thinking about what you're going to say? That, that's how we like to meet with God. And then we go, well, I didn't hear you say anything. God's not talking. Well, did you try quiet? And by quiet, I don't mean stop talking. I even mean maybe stop rehearsing and thinking, distracting. Some of us are so used to it that that's all that's happening all the time. That's why we lay down at night and we put the TV on when we go to bed. Because the thought of silence would be the loudest thing. It would be so loud it would keep you from falling asleep. So we're just haunted with noise. It's like when we're in a Bible study and I'm loading up my response. I've got this really good answer. Can't wait to say it. But I missed what God was saying through my brothers and through my sisters. The task is not to get God to do something, but to become aware of what God is already doing. That's Eugene Peterson. Found that helpful. God is here. He's at work. He's moving amongst us. But it's hard to see it. John tells us about this. We read about this in uh, 1 John. Makes a, John makes a comment. I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one that you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Do you catch that? That among you stands the one you do not know. How did they miss it? How do we miss it? Well, for John, John was definitely living down at the bottom of the hill. But we struggle too. The real Jesus is right there beside them all, just as he's here among us in the most ordinary spaces. Think about it. Think about it. Why is it that you pray at mealtime? That's the most regular time. That's the most normal thing you do. And there's prayer right there. Why is it that you pray when you make love? Well, because it's the most normal and regular thing you do is married to consenting adults. We pray in the ordinary, intuitively, 
It's just that we actually don't allow ourselves to live there except in bite-sized moments. It's why communion is food and drink. Because God is in the ordinary, the regular. Which means prayer is not about mastering a formula or becoming a monk, which is good news for you. You don't have to take a test. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't even have to know what to say. Prayer is life, and life is prayer. It's breathing, it's singing, it's loving, it's laughing, and being aware that God's in all of that. You don't even need a pastor or a priest to learn how to pray. Hebrews 7, we read this, Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Love that. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. The resurrected Jesus is in prayer already. Prayer is where you end and he begins. You are not starting the prayer. You are joining the prayer he has already started. Jesus lives for this. That means the seeking, the knocking, the reaching out. It always begins with God. Which means that we Always need to be ready, watchful, awake. Use all the verbs of the scriptures for the encounter with him. Remember those words in Matthew 25 that Jesus said, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I need to clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did, you, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and, and go to visit you? And they ask the question, and they pause, and they wait for the response. And Jesus says, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And there he is. Right here in the room. Sitting next to you and behind you and in front of you. And yes, you too, by the way. So maybe you're praying right now. And again, I know, I know there are times where it feels like 
God is nowhere to be found. Where, God, are you? And again, he's at the end of you. He's in the place just beyond. The, inter, the space of intercession. Intercession is the present action of Jesus that pulls at both ends of our story, by the way. It pulls at the end of our story from suffering to glory. Jesus at the right hand of God. From the cross to seated at the right hand. Jesus is in the in-between too. Reconciling us to God. Reclaiming us. Transforming us. He's in all of the when will this happen spaces. He's in the everything you ever hoped for space. Moving us from the bottom of the hill to the top. That's why in Romans we can read Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life. There he is from the bottom to the top is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. It's interesting to me that Jesus' final words as he prayed himself were, where are you, God? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the moment that Jesus met his end, we met our beginning. In some strange, paradoxical way, prayer is that intersection where we end, God begins. And yet, we can only begin where Christ ends. That's at the cross. That's the mystery. It's that Jesus meets us in the place that we so often find ourselves. And he says, I've been there too. So Jesus, we ask that you would help us to open our eyes to you. To not give up hope. To trust that you are doing the heavy lifting. So God, now I just invite that you would bring to mind that crucible. Bring to mind that fear. Bring to mind that heavy burden. And Lord, I ask that you would now remind us that there you are in the midst of it with us. That you are advocating on our behalf. 
help us to trust in you. In Jesus' name.